Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Hey, let's clap our hands for Jesus. It is all about Him. To Him be all glory and honor and praise. And thank you for those, those kind words, Pastor. I, I can't believe you invited me, so I'm, I'm just as blown away to ride around the car with you and to be here in Delaware, and it's snowing. <sighs> Let me tell you something. I've I, I pastored church in Louisiana for 20 years. If it rains, we don't go to church. And then in Alabama now, it's snowing. There's just no way, man. I'm going to tell you what. You don't mess with the fighting blue hens of Delaware. Uh, they will come out of the snow. They are not afraid. And so I am super impressed. And I sent pictures this morning early to my family. It's snowing. And so we don't get to see that a lot. So it's a great day to be here in Delaware. And love your church. Uh, I'm personally very grateful for a house like this. And to hear that story, I got emotional also because of just seeing dedication. Uh, sacrifice, generosity. You don't walk in a space like this or hear all the great things or see those pictures of serving and reaching without a group of people that just make a decision. We're going to be a God-first church, uh, first in our finances, first in our time. We're going to be a part. You can see that all over this house. And, of course, being here this weekend with the marriage conference was awesome. But I'm just grateful. I showed up in church, didn't know anything. I came to Christ literally through an outreach of a church. I know sometimes we do an outreach and you wonder, is anybody listening? Does anybody uh, get, get helped? And so a church did an outreach, handed me a little card. Two weeks later, I took that card and prayed a prayer that was on the back of this little sheet of paper. Gave my life to Jesus Christ. Uh, June the 21st, 1982, raised in a community called Myrtle Beach, and so and down in South Carolina. And so I, when I showed up at this church, uh, you know, I was so thankful that even though I didn't understand anything, I had no context, I had no church manners or church etiquettes at all. They were in, they they embraced me. They were open to me. They allowed me to come in and learn and grow and. I took some next steps, uh, you know, was able to grow in some areas of my life, joined a small group, which I thought was just an amazing thing. I don't think I'd be here today if it wasn't for small groups uh, in my life. I know that's something very important to you as, as, as a church here at True Life. And, and then also just grateful to be on a team, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. So thank God for a church that provides a pathway, because if not, sometimes church can be a maze. And you don't find the friends. And you don't find the true life. That's not the, the case. And that's not the passion for this house for the last 10 years. Because I know that is the passion for your pastor. And 10-year anniversary is a big deal. I don't know if you know this or not. I love birthdays. So I love anniversaries. Uh, I sometimes study what year, what anniversary, what do you give on this certain anniversary. And, and I, I know that's important. And so my wife and I just celebrated 33 years uh, of marriage, and I was kind of looking, what do you give at 33 years? And you know what it just says? You give a lot. That's all you do. Just whatever you give, make it a lot of it. And uh, it's a 10-year anniversary. If you're married, is you give, uh, this is a funny, I think, tin and aluminum. Now, I can imagine just going home saying, girl, I got you some aluminum. It's out in the garage. Now, if it's a vehicle, it'd be all right. Or if I, I got you some tin but if there's a ring inside the tin, then I think we would have a win. But, uh, you know, and I, I thought, why is it? And it speaks of two words. It's durability and flexibility. I thought how important that is on a 10-year anniversary of True Life Church is to honor and to thank God for your durability. Where you've been through things. You've been through some tough stuff together. 
We're, we're, we're walking through COVID and the pain that that's created in so many lives and the change. And we've walked through being in one location and building out another location and expanding together. And then the flexibility of multiple services online, being a part, serving on a team and growing as a church where you start out here and then all of a sudden fast forward 10 years later and you're impacting uh, through your generosity and through your giving thousands of people. So I just want to honor you and I want to honor your pastors. You know, when somebody, when you have a pastor for 10 years who has integrity, who's a good steward, I know you have great leadership here, great elders and people who help guide this church in the integrity. But it, it is an amazing thing. And I'll tell you the other thing. When God gives you the gift of a pastor who loves you and loves God, he's given you a gift. And let me tell you something, True Life. You have an amazing gift in your pastors. Can we clap our hands for pastors Michael and Amanda? Come on, show your love, their family. Oh, show some honor to your pastors right now. Ten years of just loving you and preaching the truth and and, and helping you and so uh, and being there for this community. So we thank God for that. And we're, and we're grateful for them. Uh, you know, we, we, I serve at a, a pastor church for 20 years in Louisiana. Now I get to serve at a great church in, back in Birmingham. Uh, church like this, multiple services, seeing people baptized, helping people take next steps. And then uh, I get to also serve at an organization where we train and equip and resource church planters so that they can go into a community and start a great church and love people and lead people. And so we do that. We planted over a thousand churches the last 20 years, and uh, and you're part of that. When you're when you're faithful, and you go online to give, or you text to give, or you give your tithe and offerings. There's a portion that says, "Let's go help another couple who has a dream in their heart to do what? To do this." And and they're they're, they're trying to get to year one, and so your resources fuel their dream, and so often that turns into eternal impact. I know two weeks ago we planted. 14 churches on a weekend and just on the first day of those 14 churches all over the country 4,000 people were in church in those 14 locations but here's the best thing of those 14 service churches 170 people made new decisions for Jesus Christ just on the first Sunday oh let's clap our hands for that true life so that's just your giving make it eternal impact and we're believing that all those churches are going to follow your example and build a church and be there 10 years later so we love you i feel like family here i'm kind of one of those guys i apologize ahead of time that i just make myself at home before i'm welcome to you, you know i'm just i just kind of I'm, I'm family whether you like it or not uh i will show up at your house i will get in your refrigerator i will fall asleep on your couch i am not afraid I'm one of those relatives that shows up, says a couple days, three weeks later, it's like, you're going to need to leave, my friend. And so that's, I'm just that kind of way. I'm Italian. Uh, you know, I was raised an Italian Catholic, and my, my wife is a good old uh, full gospel Cajun. I brought a picture of my family because, you know, being a, a, a Italian, you got to show a picture of your family. I, sh I show you a picture of the Rizzos. That's the Rizzos. That's my oldest daughter, McCall. She's married to a young man, Trey. Uh, that's my son, Dylan who is on our team at Highland serving college students. That's our baby girl, Isabella. She's at Alabama. And we LSU fans, but she's at Alabama. So we're struggling in that situation. And then that's my lovely wife. We've been married 33 years. That's a strong woman right there. 
I'm gonna tell you, she's sweet, she's southern. Oh, she's southern, sweet, kind, make you some rice roast and gravy, cook you an etouffee. But you come up in her front yard and mess with her kids, she will fight you and go to jail. She is not afraid. I married me a strong woman. That is a godly, strong woman. So our family loves this family, and we're so grateful for your pastors to invite us and be here. But I want to jump in the Word. I want to teach for a few minutes out of the book of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the Gospels. I didn't know that when I showed up in church. First four books of the New Testament. Matthew kicks it off. And I want to look at a window in the life of Christ that I believe says so many things. It says a lot about our life. It says a lot about our Savior. Of course, it says everything about God's love for us. It says a lot about people and potential. And, and I framed it around this idea because I think there are times, and here's the phrase that I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me for this day, because it's a big deal to celebrate a decade of being God's people, God's family in a community. And I came up with this phrase that just kept coming up on the inside of me. It's the idea that there are moments that we live in where there is more. That, that there are moments that are more. Moments that are more. And sometimes we even imagine. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing today. And Lord, we honor you. We give you all the glory for what you have done. Every song, every act of kindness, every care for the next generation. Lord, all of it is unto you, not unto us, unto you. Unto you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for godly pastors and pastors who care. Speak to us today. You have a word for us. We feel your presence here. We can sit you during the time of worship all across campus. Lord, we're thankful that you brought us here. Watch it online. So, Lord, we love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said a good amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Come on, look at the other person that was your second choice, now that you know who you are, and say, you look like you could use a little church, my friend. Matthew chapter 15. If, if, I, had a free, if I had one minute uh, to read just a portion of Scripture uh, to be encouraged, to set my sails for purpose, to find uh, a new beginning, uh, to understand the redemption uh, and, the, and the, the purpose of Jesus, I would probably read this window. It's Matthew chapter 15, verse 29 through 38. It's two stories, but really it's one story. And I'll read it slow and we'll kind of graze among it for a few minutes. Says, Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on a mountain and sat down. So then great multitude came to him, having with them, so they didn't come alone, but having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others, others, others. They laid them down at Jesus' feet. And I love his response. He healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. You can imagine what's happening on that hillside when you 
you get healed, and then you go get a friend that's blind, you bring them, you lay them at the feet of Jesus, Jesus heals your friend that has never seen the green grass, never seen the blue sky, he gets healed. And then another person gets a miracle, and another person gets helped. That's why I love the last phrase of it. It says, and they glorified the God of Israel. They just began to worship and praise God and thank God for all that they were seeing, all that was going on. Because I don't believe when they, they had no idea what was going to happen in those moments. I, I don't believe the disciples had any idea that when they sat down on that grass, that they, they parked themselves on that hillside, that all these things would happen. And not only did they happen one day or two days, this meeting goes on for three days. That's a lot of church. It's a lot of being together. And, you, and what happens is you realize that they did not come there prepared for three days. They, come, they came there thinking one thing, but there was more to the moment. And so it lasted longer. It had more of a ripple effect than they expected because they didn't have enough goldfish. They didn't have enough Swedish fish. They didn't, they didn't have enough granola. They didn't, they didn't pack enough Capri Suns. Come on, can I have a good amen from all the mamas? Ain't nothing worse than being somewhere too long and you ain't got no snacks. You getting a snack jam, you in trouble. So they're in that situation. Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because, 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 because they have continued with me three, three days, three days, and have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry least they will faint on the way. I'm always amazed at that because it's like Jesus even cares about the little things. You've healed everything, Lord. Everybody's healed. It's not a sinus infection. It's not a, a bad back. Everything's healed. Is that not enough? So they're a little hungry. So they haven't eaten in 12 hours or 36 hours. They, it's not much to eat. I mean... It's almost like it's, it's uh, overkill. It's like it's too much, but it's not too much for the Lord. Because not only does he care about the big things, how many knows he cares about all things? Just doesn't care about the 35-year-old, he cares about the 8-year-old. Just doesn't care for the, for the married couple, he cares about the blended family. Just doesn't care about the college student, he cares about the single again. So he cares about everything. He sees everything. He knows everything going on in your life. So he looks at his disciples. This is amazing. Disciples said to him, well, where, where, where can we get a bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. I love the double emphasis. Few little, few little, few little. Lord, let me just let you know, whatever you're thinking, we don't have. Whatever you think could happen in this moment, we don't have any more to give. This is all we have. So Jesus continues on. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fish. He gave thanks. He broke them, gave them to the disciples, which I think is an amazing that he used the ones who were not sure if there was anything else left. And he used them to be the relayers or the distributors of what he was going to do. He says, I'm going to let you be a part of it. I'm going to let you touch it. I'm going to let you be the distribution point 
of my miraculous healing, my supernatural. And so the disciples in turn gave them to the multitude, verse 37. So they all ate and they were all filled and they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that was left over. What I think is so humorous in verse 34, it says, what do you have? They said, we have seven loaves of bread, seven loaves of bread. In this miracle, they took up seven large basketful. Interesting how seven matched seven, because I think the Lord has a sense of humor. Come on, somebody. It says, oh, you don't have a lot? I got a lot. You don't have any more to give? I've got more to give. You don't think you can forgive? You don't think you can serve? You don't think there's another day for you to make a difference? You don't think there's somebody else for you to tell your story to? Oh, no, I've got more for you to do. There's more in the moment than you could ever imagine. I mean, who would have ever thought when a church got planted 10 years ago that we'd be doing a marriage conference, that we'd be, you know, packing care packages for, for families at Christmas, that people would be in small groups, that there'd be a phenomenal worship team and a kid's space and a play zone. I hadn't been in a play zone in a while, but I was tempted to get in that one. That's a solid play zone. I mean, you eat all that sugar in the foyer for Happy 10, we can let you spend an hour or two in there. I mean, who would have ever thought it? Well, nobody saw all that. God saw it. Thank God your pastors had faith for it. Few people got around them, like we saw in the video, that said, yeah, let's see, what, let's see if the Lord has more. Well, let, just think about it. We're at a theater, but maybe the Lord, Lord has more than just a theater. Thank God for the theater. Maybe the Lord has more than just a pop-up tent as a foyer. Now you got a world-class foyer. Why? Because God always has more. There's more in the moment than you can imagine. I think the Lord just works that way. I think there are so many things about this scene that I love. I, I love that it's a Jesus scene. Jesus is in the middle of everything. You know, I also love how Jesus cares um, about people. It's a people scene. I love how Jesus is comfortable around all kinds of people. And that all kinds of people can have access. Aren't you glad that it's not just the experts that get, that get to go to the feet of Jesus? Or just the theologians? Or the ones that are so smart? Or the ones who have it all figured out? I had a guy the other day stop me and I was preaching and he asked me a question. That was, I mean, there was no, I'd never even thought of it a day in my life. And it was just, it was like on Mars, I was just like, I'm, I, I'm not going to answer that one. I think I'm just going to go feed somebody, and God bless y'all. Just going to keep it real simple. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves the normal people? And he has no, more for just everybody? I love that it's a Jesus scene. I love that it's a people scene. I love that it's a growing scene. The disciples are like, okay, Lord, we've been here three days. A lot of people got healed. We've had a lot of work. Ready to go home. Let's call this meeting over. Can we shut this thing down? Are we done yet? And, and he says, I don't think we're done yet. Really? I think we need to feed everybody. For real? I mean, it's just, why? Because there was more in the moment than what even the disciples saw. And guess what? There was more in them to be a part of than they even saw in themselves. So it's great about a pastor or a church. It calls things out 
in a world so often that's trying to shut us down or push us down into our past or push us down into our worst day or, or define us based on a, on a bad decision. The, the church provides hope and the Bible provides hope for what? There's more in you than you could ever imagine because of the grace and the mercy and what Jesus did at the cross. I wrote this down in my notes. The adventure of Jesus is just like constant dominoes. Not Domino's pizza, so just I know we'll get to that later. It's just like dominoes. One thing starts here, five years later, there's this impact. One thing starts here. It's an amazing thing. You could take a tithe. I thought about this envelope, True Life Church, or going online to give or text to give. It just represents that. That I can I can work hard as a carpenter or work hard as a florist and I, I can sow my tithe in Delaware. But then all of a sudden, a year later, it's opening up a well in India where a, a village is getting fresh water right beside a building that's being built that is a church and is a school and now pays the salary of a pastor for a year into a community that may not have a life-giving church. It's like dominoes because why? Because Jesus takes what we have and he makes more out of it. We put it in the hands of the Lord, things you could not even imagine. So I came to Christ and got involved with a little small church in Myrtle Beach. It was a beach church. It was right by the beach. And uh, I, I didn't, again, I would not attend a church much uh, in my life. I show up at this church and uh, I, I just love the small church probably 40, 50 people on a Sunday. Uh, we had, we had it moved it to, there used to be a pharma, like a pharmacy or like a drugstore called Eckerd's. And so we moved it to Eckerd's and they didn't do anything to it. Literally move everything to the side, start church. You walk in, the first sign is drugs. Hmm, interesting. And, and the preacher had started a church. Oh, he, he, he's a good, long-winded preacher. Long-winded preacher. Preach a whole series on Sunday. Like, you are never going to go to lunch. You may get to dinner around 5 o'clock. Three, four-hour sermons. You didn't want to tell him, amen, preach on. He said, I plan on it. And not only was a long-winded preacher. I don't know if you've ever been a long-winded preacher. Hey, little angry preach on him. Let me tell you something right now. Like, scare you. Like, I'm going to meet you in the foyer. He'd say stuff like, if you don't like it, don't let the back door hit you in the backside. There's five people waiting on your seat. Go on and leave. I'd be like, can we invite them in? Because ain't nobody up in here. I mean, preach forever. But godly truth-telling. He preached one uh, Sunday. He may have preached it to Monday. I don't remember. Um. And uh, he preached on the, I, he is the potter, we are the clay. I will never forget it. I was 18 years old. I'd been a Christian for about three months. But I got so inspired. He said, God wants to use you. God has something for you. You can make a difference with your life. I got so excited. I came forward. I met him right at the stage. I said, uh, his name was Pastor Holsey. Pastor Holsey. I want to be used by God. He said, son, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do what you're doing. He said, like when? I said, like probably next weekend. I think I'm ready. I mean, I'd read the book of Matthew. Plus, I was 18 and I was brilliant. 
and, uh, and I thought, well, I could do it shorter than you. We may get some more people up in here. I will get us to Bojangles at 1 o'clock. <laughs> so he said, you, you want to pray? He said, yeah. He said, well, son, I don't need you preaching, but I do need you in the prayer ministry. So I, I didn't sign up for that. That's, I, didn't, I didn't fill that out in the, in the growth track class. That's not my personality trait. I, don't, I didn't see that on the disc. And uh, he said, well, that's what I need you to do. And I never forget, on Sunday mornings before church, I would meet the prayer team. I was 18 years old. There was five senior adult women in the uh, prayer team. No one else. It wasn't like there were five senior adult women and a bunch of other. It was only five senior adult women. And, and they, they'd been senior adults for a while. And it's me. I'm just standing there. I didn't know how to pray. And, man, and, and man they prayed. And we would stand in a circle for about two hours before service started. Stand in a circle, hold hands, two hours. And when they would pray real intense, they would squeeze my hand. Them ladies had a grip. Every once in a while, I just want to say, let me give you some back. I'm 18 years old. I mean, oh, what I learned. I, I, after six months, I went to my pastor and I said, Man, I'm, this is awesome, but man, I'm, 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 this is a lot. This is a lot. And he said, well, I got another ministry for you. And I thought, man, this is all. I'm going to lead worship. I'm going to run stuff. He said, I need you in the vacuum ministry. I didn't even know what the vacuum ministry was. <laughs> my parents have been trying to get me in the vacuum ministry my whole life at my house. And he said, I need you to clean the church on Saturdays. It's, it's been dirty lately. It's hard for me to preach when I see stuff all over the carpet. I just want to, if I don't, if I see lines in the carpet, he told me, he said, I always feel the anointing. I said, well, that'll get us out quicker. I'll get lines in the carpet. So I begin to vacuum on Saturdays, clean the church for three to four months, just cleaned the church early in the morning and started owning the house of God, started valuing uh, the sacrifice that people did in their giving. And, and I, you know, I'd see people on Sunday and they'd, they'd be, you know, be a mom in the back of the church with a child and there's goldfish crumbs all over the carpet. I'd be like, hey, 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 you're going to need to clean that up, sister. It's the house of God. He came to me after the vacuum. He said, you know, I've been noticing something. He said, you've not been giving to the church. I said, no, I've been giving. I, 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 give, I give sometimes. He said, no, no. He said, you're tipping God, not tithing. And there's a difference. I'm 18 years old. I'm about to turn 19. And my pastor confronted me on giving, on generosity. He looked at me in the foyer of the church and said, if you don't understand generosity now, it will be harder the more you get. He said, plus, how can you ever be a good father or a good husband if you live stingy and you're not faithful to God in your tithing offering? And at 19 years old, goodness gracious, almost 40 years ago, I made a decision to be a part of the house of God through giving. I started giving. Uh, he, he, I probably prayed, vacuumed, gave for a year and a half. I wanted to go to Bible college. And he said, well, you're going to be going to Bible college in a couple of years. I was, you know, I was trying to get in Bible school. He said, well, I think it's time for you to preach. I was like, it's about time. Finally noticed the gift that's all on my life right now. Obvious, it's obvious there's a gift on my life. And so he said, well, you get a sermon together, you show up next Sunday, and you get ready to preach. I got me a suit, got me a new Bible. My other Bible had a duct tape. I didn't think that was proper for Sunday morning. And so I show up at church. I'm there early. I'm praying. I'm cleaning up. I'm valuing the house of God. I go up on stage, and I, I'm just kind of trying it out, just like, 
Amen. Hallelujah. Just, you know, getting feeling it. And I got my Bible on the stage. And the, my pastor walked in and said, son, come see me. I said, yeah. He said, what's your Bible doing in my pulpit? That's why I'm preaching this morning. He said, you think you're preaching in that pulpit? I said, no, 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 get your, get your stuff together and come with me. I went around to the back of the church. It's like the belly of the church. Opened up some room, and there was about six or seven metal chairs. He said, here's what you're going to do. He said, you got about another year before you go to Bible college. I want you for the next 52 Sundays. He said, there's going to be some 9, 10, 11-year-old boys that are going to walk in here. And you're going to preach to them for 52 Sundays. Don't miss one Sunday. If you miss one Sunday, don't come back to this church again. Walked out. No video team. I ain't got no mimes. No drama team. No LED screen. There's nothing. It's me. No worship leader. And, and these, these nine, ten-year-old little hellions or, or young boys come in and and they're, they're just looking at me, and I, I, for 52 Sundays, 19, 20 years old, I led worship. Father Abraham has many sons every Sunday. Father Abraham. I mean, I was all over it. I'm preaching. I barely know the Bible. I'm in like three books of the Bible. I've got like Peter with like Ezekiel and Moses. They're riding on an ox. They're heading over to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. These kids are like, I don't think that's in the Bible. Y'all going to hell anyway. Y'all don't know nothing. I didn't know anything. And I look back and think, what did my, why did my pastor do that? Because my pastor saw something in me. And I learned about commitment. And I learned about faithfulness. And I learned about caring for the least. And I learned about giving my life to the cause of Jesus Christ through the local church. I learned about the power of generosity, about the power of prayer, about the power of just being diligent. And my pastor knew some things that I didn't know that even though in those young moments, in those small moments, in those hidden moments, I didn't think there was much to them, but he knew that there was more in the moments than I even saw myself. Can I have a better amen? And it is the, it is the same and it is the truth for all of us. Because you just never know. You never know what these moments are. You never know what it means when you serve or you help someone or you're there for someone. You give your time. Never know what the next 10 years holds for true life. How many people's eternal imp how many people's eternity will be impacted? What other marriage conference will happen and a marriage will be restored? What, what person will walk through the doors and go to a freedom opportunity and find, and all of a sudden find for the first time in their life true sobriety? There's always more in the moments. I, I want to give you some application. I, I'm going to finish with these two thoughts right here just to kind of land the plane and pray for us and let us enjoy some time together and just, just two, not four, not five, just, just two. Here's the first one. There's more that God is. I, 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 said, I said it that way, even though grammatically it's a little bit of a challenge. Because I think so often we say, well, there, well, God has more for us. I agree. 
God has more for your marriage. God has more for you in the profession that you have. God has more for you in your dream and uh, more for you as a 16-year-old, more for you as a 60 God's not done with you. God has more. But here's what I've learned, that I believe the, the more you discover who God is, the more what God has for you becomes automatic. Let me say it this way. It's in knowing who he is that you will get what he has. We don't seek. We, we're not people, just give me, give me, give me. Or just give me, just give me this, give me that. I want this. Do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. No, no, no. Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know your word. I want to know your scripture. I want to know your presence. I want to know your commands. I want to know the, the, the life that you have intended for me. I want to know how I can serve. I want to know how I can contribute. I want to know how you want to use me as salt and light. I want to know those things by knowing you. And the Lord, I just believe what I need, you will provide. It's in, the, it's in, it's in knowing who he is that all those other things will follow. And that's for all of us as a parent or as a married couple or as a college student, watch it online. It's just for, for all of us. You just, because God has so much more. Being raised at the beach, uh, one of my favorite things is to go to the beach and just watch the waves. I find it so interesting that every wave is different. And every time the tide comes in, every time the tide goes out, it's all different. Everything changes. When the tide comes in and the tide goes out. The structure of the sand the breaking of the waves, that's God. Every day is different. Every day there's a new discovery. I can read the same verse that I read last year, and right now it speaks something different to me as a dad. Well, last year it spoke something to me as a friend. The year before it spoke something to me in healing. Because God, what God is, is beyond. There's always more in who he is. And then the last thing, and I'll finish with this, and then we'll pray. There's more for you to be and to do. Can I make an announcement here, True Life? You're not done yet. There's always more. Always more to, always more to know. Always more to serve. Always more to give. Always more to reach. There's always God's wanting to unfold more of you in your season I'm just grateful for a church that cares about others that says, you know what, there's more. Let's move it to another space, add another service, let's go online, let's add another group. Why? Because there's just more of God to reach more people. Because you just never know how God uses a moment. Uh, when we started our church, we were small. So Delenn and I launched a church in 1992. In Christmas and uh, we started with 12 people I preached my first time I was a little fast I was probably a little excited and uh, it was it was I think everybody got motion sickness because I was just all over the place and out of the 12 people who committed five left the next day I figured wow I have about one and a half more services to go and it's being my wife and so God helped us and I do all my church stuff during the week and but I'd end up having time on my hands. I was cutting grass. And I cut grass for three or four years. We started the church and lay sod and, and dug foundations and things like that. And uh, 
So a, 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 a guy, a, a, a husband, a, a man and woman come to our church. She said, hey, listen, our daughter is in a tough situation. And she's been through some pain. And there's been some things that have happened. She needs to get married in the next week or two. And she wants to do it right. She said, would you, would you marry her and her fiancé? I said, yeah, let me meet with them. Well, come to find out. There was a lot of churches that would not marry people that did not attend their church or that were not believers. So when I met with them, I remember having that backdrop, but I remember sitting with this couple, and I'd only been married five years, so I have a lot to say other than just say you're sorry a lot. I was wrong. I love you. Sure, I'll, I'll go clean that up. I mean, I just, just, that's all I got. So I spent three hours with them, and for two and a half hours, I shared the gospel. And, and at the end of it, I said, and I just had this thought. I said, would either of you like to give your life to Christ? Both of them said, yes, we want to rededicate our life. 20 years later, they were in our church with children. And so I hit something that day. I thought, okay, I'm going to marry people, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk to them about marriage, and we're going to give them a good wedding. We'll, we'll deck out our little small church. But I'll, I'll spend three hours with them, and I'll, 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 I'll preach the gospel. Because I figured if they got close to God... It could change their life, impact their marriage. Can I have a good amen? So I started doing it. I started leading more people to the Lord in that setting than I did on Sunday mornings. I mean, hundreds of couples. I married hundreds of couples in the first couple years of our church. I would do three or four weddings on a Saturday. And so a girl calls up my wife. They went to youth group together. She says, hey. Can you marry, would you, would you, nobody wants to marry us. My husband has got some, he, he's a complicated guy. And I said, well, yeah, tell him to come on over. She said, well, can we come over right now? Sure, Delenn and her grew up together in high school. She walks in, she's a tall girl, about six foot. Guy walks in behind her, about six, six. He's, he's Hawaiian, Samoan, mixed, huge, sweating. Sweat. He sits. He doesn't sit down. He's too big. He just kind of hovers. <laughs> Sweating. Plays football at LSU. Says we're graduating in a couple months. Need to get married. Going to NFL. Like Christ. I talk to him. We get to the end. Would you like? His name was Kev. Kev, would you like to accept Christ? And Tra Tracy's crying. She said, I want to give. She had been a Christian. But she'd fallen away from the Lord and had been living wild. Yeah, I gotta get my life back to Christ. I said, well, go, go, Kevin, do you want it? He said, no. So a good evangelist says it like eight more different ways. Blink, breathe, rub your forehead. Every one of them, he said, I'm not. He finally looked at me and said, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. Are you? And he looked at me, big old guy, sweating. He said, are you still going to marry me, preacher boy? A man that size, you know what you say? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I will. Married them. He gets drafted by the Seahawks. Two years later, Tracy has a baby, goes into deep postpartum depression. His older brother gets killed in a car wreck. Tragic. I'm in church one Sunday. I'm preaching like this. I see something in the back, a big, like a structure. Like somebody had brought a lift in, like a man lift. Like who left a man lift? And while I'm giving the invitation, like at this moment in the service, I'm, I'm landing the plane. This thing is moving towards me. And he, it's Kevin. He walks straight up to the stage. We've got a two-foot stage. 
We're about eye to eye. He looks at me and says, come here, I need to talk to you right now. Man, I just closed service. Everybody gets saved. Amen. God bless y'all. Y'all going home. He, he, I walk in the back. He's sweating. Huge. He says, I'm depressed. I'm angry. My life is falling apart. But all my dreams are coming true. I said, Kevin, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you three years ago. We had a chat. I said, Would you, you need to give your life to Jesus. He said, I do, don't I? I said, yes, you do. Uh, he, I reached over and took his paws or his hands or his mitts, whatever they were. We prayed. I led him to the Lord. We hugged. He began to cry uncontrollably. I began to cry uncontrollably because I thought he was going to kill me. He's a huge man. Kevin goes on to sign the highest contract for a center in the history of the NFL for the Jets. Then he plays for the Titans. 17 years in the NFL. Every year would send his tithe to the church. Children's Cup is in our foyer. He was one of the major contributors to this day to helping AIDS orphans in Africa. There's thousands of AIDS orphans in Africa that are sustained because of his resources. He just went into the Hall of Fame. There's only eight centers that have ever played football that have gone into the Hall of Fame. There's only 385 members of the Hall of Fame. He gets up at the Hall of Fame speech. First thing out of his mouth, I need to give all glory, broadcast all over the world to Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, my everything. He acknowledges all his coaches and then looks at me and says, thank you, Pastor Dino Rizzo, for being in my life. Who knew? Who knew? There was more in that moment than I ever thought. He's now coaching for the cults. He's leading people to Christ. Who knew? You know who knew? God Almighty knew. You never know your impact. You never know your more. I believe there's a lot more for this church to do and be. Can I have a good amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for this house. I thank you for pastors who love you. I thank you for this church. And Lord, I pray that every person, no matter where they're at in their life, that they will realize you have more for them. They don't have to live in yesterday's pain. They do not have to be defeated by their worst day in their life. They do not have to be defined by what someone said. But we surrender our life to you. We recommit our life. We recommit this church to you to be all that you want it to be. Maybe you're here today. Pastor's going to come and give you an opportunity to take a next step. Give your life to Christ. But all across this room, right before I walk up, you say, Dino, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. Like Kevin, I need a fresh start. If that's you right now, just pray this prayer in your, out of your heart. You don't have to stand or come forward, but right where you're sitting right now, watching online, pray this prayer out of your heart. Just say, Dear Jesus, I surrender my life. 
I believe that you died and then you rose again and you paid the penalty for my sin. Say this out of your heart right now. Forgive me of my sins for my sins are many but you forgive me. So I confess you on this 10 year anniversary of this church I confess you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus name Amen. Let's clap our hands for all those who made a decision.